everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I am your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, Chris Weigel. And every weekend, we're here, we're doing life together, and we're always so glad that you've joined us. That's right. Good to be with you again, Dr. Linda, this weekend. This program is becoming quite the source of inspiration for so many of our listeners. We hear from them on, on social media and all, all different sources. It's a real blessing to be a part of something so helpful, and this weekend really should be no different. Our goal today is to learn about something that often derails and disables so many of us, and that's anxiety. Mm. In your book, Getting Unstuck, you say that if we haven't ever felt anxious in our lives, we should check our pulse. Yeah, we're probably not alive. <laughs> I'm, guessing so that means, I'm guessing that means everyone has experienced anxiety. Yeah, I mean, we do. Chris, think about it. From There's some time in your life when you have experienced anxiety, but here's the problem. If you hold on to it, that is where we get in trouble. So we're going to address that today. And many of us know that the Bible doesn't just suggest it really does make it give us a command. It says, be anxious about nothing. And that isn't doesn't sound like an option, does it? No, it sounds impossible. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound impossible, but God wouldn't give us something that he wouldn't help us to do. So I really believe that, that he does have help for us. And actually, when you read the Bible, I, I was so amazed by this. I saw prescriptions, several prescriptions hmm. for anxiety, and they're going to lead us into good mental health because God created us. He created our minds. And so he knows exactly what we have to do with our minds and even with our bodies. Sometimes the Bible talks about a way to live. So first, I, I want to just kind of start with, can you think of a time when you were maybe feeling pretty anxious? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I Multiple can. times. Do we have 20 hours? No. <laughs> no, no. How long is the show? Yeah. The, the biggest thing that comes to mind for me is when, when I first got into broadcasting as an engineer, I was faced with these, what we call automation systems, computers that run things when you're not there. And I felt so overwhelmed by this, this notion that uh, it kept me awake and kept me awake. And it took three or four or five years to finally basically have enough confidence in myself to know that if something does go wrong, I can fix it. But I think the anxiety came from early in my career. I didn't really know how to fix this stuff if it broke, and or at least uh, I thought I didn't. And um, created a lot of anxiety. Don't you, don't you think that's kind of common for all of us when we start a job? We've got millennials who are going mm -hmm. out into the workforce now, and they all have that anxiety about, right. but I don't really know the job. And we keep saying, you're going to learn the job when you're on mm -hmm. it. And so often, even, even at my age, when I take a new job, there's anxiety there a little bit about, wow, I don't know if I know exactly how to do that. So well, it's a common thing, I think, for everybody to have those anxious feelings about a lot of things. We, we go into the interview saying we know how to do everything. Yeah. But then, oh, no, now we get yeah. hired. We got hired. <laughs> oh, we got to really produce. Right. <laughs> there's where the money meets the road. And then there's a lot of times in my life where I have felt anxious after someone has died in the family mm, or right. there's been a job loss or there's been a health diagnosis. I think a lot of us, if we think about it, we can think of pretty easily a few times in our lives when we felt anxious. Actually, one of the reasons we're talking about this is because anxiety is the number one most prevalent cause of stress and actual wow. impairment in the world, not just in the United States, but in the world. And sometimes it can be caused by a medical condition. So I want to make that really clear. Sometimes if you're struggling with something like cancer or heart disease, 
a consequence of that can be that you have anxiety. And sometimes anxiety is also a side effect of a medication or a drug that you can be taken. So you got to first figure out, is it related to that drug or a medication or something, I'm some substance I'm ingesting? Or is it actually related to some medical illness that I'm experiencing? If you say no to those, then you start have to start thinking, maybe I'm creating anxiety in my mind. Mm. Well, you mentioned a medical condition. Um, you and I both know someone who had recently had a heart attack, and he's recovering well now, but he was very anxious, and I never considered this. He was anxious about the possibility of having another heart attack. Yeah, that's common. That's common. His wife was sharing that with me in church, and she mm-hmm. said, I said, kept saying, how's he doing? And he really, you and I know the story. He's a miracle. I right. mean, this oh, whole yeah. <laughs> story is a miracle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he was gone, gone for what they thought was like 44 minutes and mm-hmm. just amazing healing in his life. But the one residual is that when he starts to feel a little bit of chest pain or a little bit of something in his body, he's starting to feel anxious. So he's got to really watch those anxious feelings. It's something that you would, you would worry and struggle with. You eat a hot dog, it's heartburn. But yeah. you think you may really be having a serious yeah. problem. Yeah. And then you think of all the people that have asthma. When you talk to people with asthma and they have that sense that they can't breathe and they mm-hmm. can't get to their um, machine that helps them breathe. Um, heart conditions are very common. Ulcers, other medical conditions. So you have to learn how to take charge of this because we have a lot of things even in our culture, Chris. There are shootings and violence. And I don't know about you, but when I hear sometimes about a shooting or something, I start to just for a moment go, what if that could be here? Right. Yeah. Or what if that's somebody I know in a city? So that can be a source for anxiety as well. I believe it helps to have people in our lives that we can talk to when we feel anxious. And, and there might be more rational, or they might be more rational, I should say, and help help us be more realistic. Because let's face it, there are lots of things out of our control, and it is easy to worry. Support is huge in any in fighting any kind of of mental. I don't want to say mental illness because not everybody's mentally ill. But mm-hmm. when you're trying to fight off something that would discourage you, having that support and that's one of the reasons why we really want to help each other understand this idea, what anxiety is all about, how to deal with it because it often develops in childhood, and I I think that's really important for people to say. And what I know as a therapist is that. A lot of times people who are depressed, when you get the history, it often started with childhood anxiety that never got treated, Mm. and then it proceeds to become depression. So you really want to get at this anxiety stuff early on in a person's life so you can prevent some major problems later in life. What's the difference between anxiety and worry? Okay, so this is this is really good because people ask that a lot. So Mm -hmm. both of them are future focused. But I think you, it's helpful to think of worry as the mental part of anxiety. Mm. So anxiety tends to be sort of full-bodied, right? kind of like a wine, I guess, or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's just full-bodied. It affects your mind. It affects your body. It, expects your, it, it, it impacts your spirit. It's this overestimation that we have of danger and fear. And so what happens is we often then avoid situations because of the fear. So it's that, that constant what if. Anxiety happens when our fears are really taking hold or we feel apprehensive about something, but that fear and that apprehension is actually not proportional to the real danger that is probably not even there. You mentioned fears that take hold, and that's why people say they're gripped 
by anxiety. That's exactly right, because anxiety is future-oriented. It's Mm -hmm. that what-if that grips you. You keep thinking, what if, well, what if, well, what if? And with anxiety, there is the potential for a negative outcome. So sometimes the what-if actually happens, but most of the time it's out of proportion. So the fear is more than the normal. I guess that's one of the things I want to really point out is that It involves the lack of control, which is why people develop it a lot of times in the first place. Mm -hmm. But it's out of the normal response that we should be having to a situation. Dr. Linda, we've got a break coming up. Before we go to the break, can you give us some examples of of how this involves a lack of control? So so let's just use this one. You might have a moment of worry about paying your bills. People go through that all the time. But when that concern becomes constant and it causes distress, then you've moved from sort of worry, a little bit of worry, or maybe concern to anxiety. Or here's another one. You might be nervous just giving a speech or having to do some kind of public presentation. But when those nerves turn into almost a panic attack, then you've got anxiety. Well, today on the Dr. Linda Show, we're talking about prescriptions for anxiety. And I'm glad we're talking about this because it certainly affects all of us. More about handling anxiety when we return. Mother and daughter relationships are powerful, and they impact all our other relationships. Think about it. The way you react with your mom typically is the way you might react with other people. Yet this important bond can be filled with tension when both women try to find their own voice and develop a sense of self. So working through the mother-daughter relationship can be a challenge, but it is so worth the effort. Hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mintel, and I would love to help you navigate this important relationship and strengthen it to the best it can be. That's why I wrote, I Love My Mother, But, a book to strengthen the mother-daughter relationship. We all love our mothers, but sometimes we need a little help working through our differences. I Love My Mother, But... Available on my website, drlindamintel.com, or online where books are sold. This is the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and today, thankfully, I'm finding out that I'm not crazy. Well, I don't know that we've decided that yet, have we? (laughs) Well, it's a lifelong process, I guess. (laughs) You're always so good about this. I tease you so much about this, but you seem to be good at Handling the teasing. Come back every week. Yeah. (laughs) And you're glad to talk to me, you always say. (laughs) That's good. Actually, today we're discussing anxiety. And soon, you've promised, Dr. Linda, that we'll get some prescriptions to help me and all of our listeners. In the meantime, remember, you can always check out Dr. Linda's blogs on her website, drlindamental.com, and also follow her on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So, Dr. Linda, anxiety involves our thoughts, our feelings, and even our behavior and we tend to avoid people so we don't feel anxious. Yeah, and that's the that's what happens. The fear drives you, and it's really, like you said before, taking a grip on you. And as a result of that, you have to do something about it, and we get worried. And then a lot of times we do avoid people. So mm-hmm. when that happens, we're usually dealing with anxiety. When it drives us away from the very things that we want to do, that's a problem. I suppose a lot of things can make us feel anxious, and one of those being our experiences And I'm even going to guess our genetics can play a role. Uh, And you talk about how 
genetics can make us more vulnerable to certain mental health conditions. Yeah, I have, we do bring that up a lot. We talk about the, the play of genetics and our our biology with the things that happen to us in life. And so it sounds like you've been paying attention because this, this is in the background <laughs> of a lot of things that we talk about. And right. that's true, typically, of a lot of mental health issues. And we know from the research, Chris, that there are some people who are a little bit more susceptible to anxiety than others. And then what happens is our life experiences can leave us feeling afraid or upset. So you think about loss. Just think about loss. You have some terrible loss. And a lot of times, especially kids, if something bad happens, they get anxious because they can't control that. So loss is a big one for people in their life. Sometimes that does what we call triggers anxiety. And when we experience a loss or a trauma, we become afraid and then we avoid things and this makes us even more anxious. Mm. So a lot of contributors come to anxiety. You can have you know, some difficult life experiences early on. You can have trauma. You can have stress. Even the violence in our culture, even environmental threats. Think of all the people that experienced the Kachina hurricanes and the tornadoes we hear on this. You just listen to the radio and it's like all of a sudden there's a tornado somewhere and people lose their houses. And even one that we don't think about is a contributor to anxiety is when people don't have purpose in life or they can't find meaning in their lives. And there is a whole body of research that is starting to tell us that maybe all the changes in technology I don't know what you think about this, but the fact that everything changes so quickly mm-hmm. that some people get anxious about all those changes. Does that bother you ever with all the the different technology and keeping up with the technology? And you're especially, that's your world of work. So right. maybe that's something that I, isn't so frightening to you. <laughs> I, I would say if you take my age into consideration, I've been dealing with technological changes on a fast track yeah, since you I have. was young. Yeah. But would this affect older folks more? It does because they feel like they can't keep up. So when you put biology and environment together, you have a real recipe for anxiety. Well, there are several types of anxiety. Let's uh, let's begin with a few of those. So I'm just going to make a few distinctions as we're talking about this. Some people struggle with something called generalized anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's actually called GAD, generalized anxiety disorder. And this is just this sense of chronically feeling anxious. And you can't really pinpoint it, which is why it's so frustrating. You're like, I don't know, I just feel this like low-grade anxiety all the time. Mm-hmm. And then there's one that's common to a lot of a lot of people, which is panic disorder. So panic disorder is characterized by people literally feeling like they're going to die. That's what the symptoms feel like. People say they have chest pain and heart palpitations and shortness of breath, dizziness, their stomach hurts. It just feels like something terrible is going to happen, and then the person panics. And then we've got phobias that a lot of people struggle with where they might be afraid of something, something very specific like spiders or dogs. Or we've got, I bring my dog to work. I don't know if we've ever talked about that, but I bring, right, yeah. bring Zoe into work and she's <laughs> our comfort dog at the medical school. And we've had three medical students who've been terrified of dogs and we've worked through it and gotten rid of their anxiety and they can now pet Zoe. How could you be afraid of Zoe? Well, if you're afraid of dogs, <laughs> she just represents that right. threat. So, And then some people have a fear of uh, being in crowds. This is one that's called agoraphobia. Have you ever heard of that one? Mm, definitely. Yes. Yeah. And they don't want to, they feel like they're closed in and they won't use public transportation. They won't go in subways. A lot of people won't go on elevators. And then there's something called separation anxiety where mm. people get afraid. You have little kids. Now, 
there's a point in your child's development where separation anxiety is normal. But when they get older and they're still afraid to leave a parent and they have a lot of anxiety over that, that's a problem. What would be a, an age for that where that should break, do you think? It's younger. It's younger mm-hmm. when they're within that first year of life when there's a oh, normal okay. separation and stuff. So when they get older and they're still doing that, you need to be concerned about that. Should people use, this is a big question, should people use medication for anxiety? Yeah, that's a, that is a really big question. I'm going to give my opinion. This is only my opinion. Mm-hmm. We are not giving, I am not giving out prescriptions here to you on this one, but um, medication can be effective. So mm-hmm. let me say that. But it only stops the anxiety. It doesn't really give you a tool to deal with the anxiety. It doesn't teach you. It doesn't help you learn how to handle that anxiety when it comes So I think that the problem with some of the medications is that, first of all, not everybody responds to it. Mm -hmm. And there are certain types of medications for anxiety called the benzodiazepines. And if you've ever heard of those, those are like, that's a particular class. Problem with those is that they can be addictive and people get dependent on them and they can be, be misused and they have interaction effects with alcohol and some other things. So I think you have to be really careful Mm -hmm. with using medication. What are the other options available besides medication? So there's a great talk therapy that fits in beautifully with the Christian perspective. It's called cognitive behavioral therapy. And it's it's just as good in a lot of studies. It's shown it's just as good as taking medication or sometimes the medication with the therapy is really good. And one of the reasons I like that kind of therapy is because it's very empowering. It can be done from a biblical perspective. And it helps us think differently and that's the cognitive part of it. It teaches you to take your thoughts captive, like the scripture talks about. And as a result of that, it changes the brain for the better. And then there's some other great therapies. Actually, the number one therapy mm-hmm. is exposure for phobias. So you actually expose the person, and there's a way to do that. People are trained in helping. And then sometimes people just need relaxation training. Let's go back to the exposure training or the therapy, if you will. Yeah. Someone who's an agoraphobe. Do you just take them to a crowd of people and say, okay, let's deal with this? Yeah, you do it gradually usually. Now, there's two approaches. One is where you, like, I, like let me use elevator, mm-hmm. um, people who are afraid of elevators. One approach is to explain what you're doing, explain that they're going to feel like they're going to die, and right. you put them in the elevator and you hit the button and you send them down, and they're just terrified. Mm-hmm. But they get to the bottom and they go, oh, nothing terrible happened. Yeah. I'm okay. And you take them upstairs and you do it again. Now, you have to do a lot of preparation for that person has to feel like they're they're willing to do it with you mm-hmm. but they overcome it and sometimes that you do that in gradual steps so like someone who's afraid to maybe to go to school you might just start with taking them outside get into the parking lot maybe then getting them you know so they can handle that and do it step by step until they're actually in the school one last question with relaxation training does that involve breathing because I've seen that in action. That's one way you can relax because deep breathing mm-hmm. is the opposite of feeling tense, which is what happens with anxiety. So you can do a couple of things. You can meditate to scriptures as a way of relaxing. You can mm-hmm. pray. You can listen to um, a beautiful sonata or something mm-hmm. to kind of settle you down. And you can you can do progressive muscle relaxation, which is where you mm. tense and release right. the muscles. There's a lot of ways you can do relaxation. And you can also listen to the Dr. Linda show. You could. I don't know how relaxing we are to people. <laughs> <laughs> we might rev you up a little bit. <laughs> well, this is the Dr. Linda Mental Show. We need to go to a break, but stay with us as we discuss the biblical prescriptions for anxiety.
Everyone worries, don't they? Well, just listen to the nightly news or read the economic forecast or even talk to your family. Hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mintel. Opportunities to worry present themselves many times during our day. So why would God tell us not to worry when it almost seems like it's impossible? First, he knows the physical damage worry does to our bodies. Second, he wants to calm us down by taking the burden of control away from us. Hey, we don't have control. No matter how much we think we do, he does. And third, he wants us to trust him. The root of worry is doubting God. Doubt is not trusting that God is who he says he is, or he will do what he says he will do. So every day, take your worries to God. Rehearse his goodness, accept his grace, and walk in the confidence that he is in control and he's working all things for your good. Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. We've been exploring anxiety what it is or can be, and how it affects all of us at one time or another. But Dr. Linda, I've been waiting the entire program to talk about biblical solutions. Are we there yet? Yeah. You remind me of one of my kids <laughs> when we travel. Mom! Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Constantly oh, yeah. asking, are we there? Are we there? <laughs> yeah, we're ready. We're ready okay. to focus on the biblical prescriptions for anxiety. And like I said at the beginning, there's, there's a lot that the Bible has to say about this. But before we do, mm-hmm. let me say this, Chris, so we can be really careful about this. We don't want to imply to everybody who's listening that if you have anxiety, that somehow you're spiritually immature or that somehow you're failing in your Christian walk. And sometimes people will say that in church. Well, you just got to have, you know, you just got to be anxious about nothing. What we want to do is kind of pick that apart a little bit and help you take that scripture of take your thoughts captive. We want to we want to talk about that in a minute. But here's what happens. The brain's stress system can just become very overactive. And so we have to do something with our own willpower in some ways with this to take that stress level down. And so we have to apply scripture and use scripture and make sure that we're doing what scripture says in this. And it's it's hard sometimes when you're in a situation where that anxiety just starts to rev up. So our spiritual lives are connected to our body and mind, and God knows that, which is why he talks to us through his word and gives us that help that we need. So let me ask you this. Do you ever hear that where somebody is anxious? Mm. People are thinking, oh, there's something wrong with them spiritually. They shouldn't be anxious. I've also heard people say that, oh, they're dealing with anxiety. There must be a sin in their life that they've dealt with it. Yeah, and that's what we got to be really careful that we're not judging people with Mm -hmm. that again, because we've got to remember that that biology is interacting with things in a person's life. And what we're going to do is come alongside them, like you said early on in the show, support them, and we're going to support them with the power of Scripture as well. Well, let's begin by talking about the power of prayer as well. So that's part of the Scripture in terms of looking at Scripture, where we want to talk to God about everything. That's Mm -hmm. what we call prayer, right? Right. Talking to God about every single thing. No matter what the problem is, we're told that we've got to take it to God. That's what God says. He says, cast your cares on me. Bring me your anxiety. There's a lot of Scripture on that. So we're admonished to do that by the Lord. He is saying, put those burdens on me. I want to take them. 
And unlike people who can't really take our burdens from us, God doesn't get overwhelmed by our problems. <laughs> you know, sometimes we're reluctant, Chris, to talk to other people because we think, oh, I'm just burdening them. Right. You know, this is too much. I'm not going to say. But God says he can handle all your cares. And best of all, he's never tired of hearing from us. Isn't that a relief? It is. It is. We can go to him and go to him and go to him. And here's a bonus. Research shows that prayer actually changes the brain for the better. So he knows that. He designed us that way. Have they found that there are chemical changes that happen in the brain when you pray? Yeah, you can actually do these functional MRIs. You can look at the brain, image the brain, and you see the changes from when people pray. Isn't that cool? Uh, Yeah, it is. The Bible tells us to take our thoughts captive. Now, I get mind over matter, you know, dealing with your body. But uh, how do we take our thoughts captive on a practical basis? So so we, we've, I think we've talked about this one other time in our program, but it's such an important concept that when you take a thought captive, you can't stop thoughts sometimes from coming into your head. Right. They come into your head. So you got to grab that thought. you got to confine it and not let it wander into worry waters. And the best way to do that is acknowledge whatever thought you're having that might be anxious and then replace that thought with something that is true, that is scriptural, that is biblical. Makes sense because uh, anxiety is usually a dealing with a fear that's not really there. Yeah, and it's so, a thought. Right. So find something that is concrete, and obviously the Bible would be a great source for something concrete. Uh, what about being very specific in your prayers about the help you need? I think Scripture is really clear about that. Again, it, it says in the, in the Bible to make your requests known uses that word supplication, which is not a word I hear a lot in conversation these days. But it's basically saying we have to tell God what we need. It says in James 4, 2, that we don't have because we don't ask. This implies that we have to be specific and direct and ask the Lord in prayer. And it says in Matthew, whatever you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. So that tells me to be bold and specific when we talk to the Lord. So much of our discussion has been about control. Now, I think it's hard for all of us to deal with uh, feeling out of control. Say more about that. Well, I love that song. Remember years ago, Twyla Paris, when she sang God is in control? Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. We have to give up the illusion of control, and we just don't have it. Oh, wait, so we weren't in control to begin we, with. We were not in control. <laughs> We'd like to think we are, but we're not. So right. we really have to give that up and just thank him that he's in control. He knows the situation. He is the one who died on the cross. He rose triumphantly. He's going to supply all our needs, not just some of our needs. And so we have to understand that God has us. He's got us in his hand. You can believe that God can and will help you. Notice the scripture says to ask and believe. You can't just ask, then wonder, worry, or doubt. You must trust God to be true to his word. Worry is an indication that you are doubting God. That's exactly right. The opposite of trust is worry. Mm. So meditate on the positive things and the true things of God. Let's close with this scripture from Philippians 4, 8, which tells us what kinds of things we should meditate on, right? So here it is. What things do you know for sure are true? What has God promised you? What things do you know to be noble, pure, lovely? Here's Paul's advice for us. Finally, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. So God wants to hear our cares and he wants to reassure us of his love. No matter what the anxious circumstance that comes into your life, tell God, work his formula and find his peace. 
I wish we could talk more about this. This is a great topic, but that's all the time we have for today. And so many thanks to our producer and social media director, Norm Mintel, and to our engineer and co-host, Chris Weigel, who's sitting across from me and makes this show a conversation. And from all of us here at Faith Radio, we'll talk to you next weekend. And remember, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.